Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of There's This Thing at Work. I'm your host, Tom Frain, and we are here to tackle the toughest questions asked by our audience. This week's topic, how do you deal with an existing toxic culture? It's a really important one that people, professionals, have to answer at different times in their career, and we've got an amazing panel to answer it. I think it's going to be quite a serious topic. And so I thought I'd start with a little bit of levity. Um, Given that Toxic is a famous song by uh, popular artist Britney Spears, I wanted to ask the group what pop song would best describe the people culture within their organisation. I'm going to start us off. Uh, I'm Tom Frame. I'm the Chief People Officer at Bulb. And the song that I've picked is The Climb by Joe McEldery. Now, I've actually never heard this song. Um, (laughs) I'm not a big fan of The X Factor or uh, similar programs, but for some reason, the the, title of it, because I remember it was like number one or something, always stuck with me as something that would probably be pretty aspirational. And um, reading the lyrics, it's all about aspiration. And Joe McEldery is like a fresh-faced, uh, singer challenging the the like big behemoths of pop in just the same way as we at Bulb uh, are a fresh faced uh, challenger going after the big six. So I've gone for um, Joe McEldery's The Climb. I love that, Tom. Also, I really enjoyed this Joe McEldery cover version, not Miley Cyrus. I just think I have a lot of time for that. Great explanation. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even realize it was a cover. <laughs> What does that say about our culture? Oh my gosh, Tom. Go on then, Charlotte, you can go next. Okay, I actually, this question filled me with dread because I have the most embarrassing taste in music um, (laughs) ever. And I was like, oh my God, the team are going to be mortified by whatever answer I give. Um, So firstly, I'm I'm Charlotte Hamill, COO at Born Social. Um, So I actually put this to the team and put out a quick poll. And the one that got the most votes was... We're all in this together from High School Musical. How cute. I love Um, that. You know, absolutely, we have a team of absolute stars um, and we are all in this together. So that's, you know, it got voted for by them. So I I couldn't choose anything different. And also it's quite cheesy. And I think that sometimes whilst we look very cool and, you know, we're a social media agency, we're very on trend in lots of lots of ways we're like almost like sickeningly cute and sweet sometimes. So uh, yeah, the cheesiness also felt fitting for our, for our culture. Nice one. Um, Jess, should we go to you next? Yeah. So I've got two answers because I'm greedy. Uh, this is a fun question, by the way. I love this. Uh, so I went with, I think the, the one that kind of comes naturally to me hilariously is Billy Joel's A Matter of Trust. We are a very <laughs> trusting company. Love it. Um, and uh, that kind of came straight to mind. But then there are also some days where it feels a little bit like Jamiroquai's virtual insanity. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're a fully remote company, so everything we do is virtual, even when times are tough. 
Um, and we, we definitely have those days from time to time, but at least it's funky, you know, and I think that's what's most important. <laughs> so good. Really, really good. April, over to you. So unlike the rest of you guys who have massive teams, there's only three of us and we are all friends. Um, so when this question came out, I was like, guys, I don't know what I can say because my taste in music, again, like you, Charlotte, is really, really bad. Um, but first of all, my name is April Williams. I'm founder of Candid HR. Um, and I guess the song that we decided to pick was Confident by Demi Lovato. Um, mm, reason yes. being is that Sometimes we question ourselves if we know what we're doing because we're in this space where we all have our own specialisms and we are all great individually. Um, But sometimes we like to question ourselves and be like, do we know what we're doing? Um, So we felt like that was a fitting song for all of us is that actually we do know what we're doing and we're confident in in making a change. Awesome. Love it. Thank you, April. Nice little mix of taste there. Yeah, United, I think, by ter- almost terrible taste in music. Although, <laughs> Jess, I think you get the, you get some points for some, some credible artists on your list. Yeah, I, think, I agree. <laughs> but I do like High School Musical, though. I feel like that might go on the Christmas list to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Um, all right, so um, we, are, we are starting a tough topic with some levity, but it's time to move on to, to actually talking about uh, the question from our listener. Thank you so much. Uh, for sending this in. Uh, And the question is, how do you deal with an existing toxic culture? Um, And I want to unpick this a bit because I think you can learn a few things about our listener from this question. Um, Them talking about dealing with an existing toxic culture makes it sound to me like this is somebody coming new into a situation where uh, they're spotting something that already exists within the culture and then they're um, trying to deal with it. And so I want to make sure we cover both sides of this question. We'll talk a bit about um, like the nature of toxic cultures themselves, but I think we should also talk about what happens when you're the new person or the outsider coming in and trying to solve something that's really entrenched. Um, so let's let's start with that question around like spotting a toxic culture, identifying it, whether you're new uh, or whether you're part of the furniture. Um, what have people on the panel what would people on the panel suggest are some of the signs of a toxic culture? I think this is so hard because, you know, it actually sometimes can be really difficult to see it when you first come in. Like, I, I feel like I'm such an optimist that I go into places being like, oh, that's a bit weird, but oh, gee, let's move on. And then like something mm. else happens. and I'm like, that's a bit iffy, but maybe it's just having a bad day. And then I keep going. And then yeah. six months later, I'm like, oh, those were signs. And you just didn't pick up on those signs because you were too busy less like, butterflies and happiness everywhere thinking everything was going to be great so like power to this person for maybe picking that up is the kind Mm, of first thing I would say and like getting those signs early because I think it actually can be really difficult and something I see is people kind of punishing themselves a year later being like why didn't I pick up those signs why didn't I see it I'm such an idiot like no if you're out there and you're thinking that like you're not some people are just very perceptive in different ways um so I would say the first thing is sometimes there are no signs sometimes the sign is just very subtle or easy to misinterpret and that's kind of from my perspective anyway yeah thanks Jess. yeah I think I'd really agree with that obviously there are various degrees of toxicity is that the right <laughs> the right word yep. um but I think one of the things that I think is really common and probably not um a definitive symptom of a co- toxic culture but can be an early warning sign is um 
in, in social media marketing, there's a term called dark social, which is basically the interactions that go on, not on public feeds, it's the private messages. And um, I think it's those like dark back channels. You know, I've heard stories um, of organisations where there might be a live presentation going on that everyone's dialed into and everyone will be WhatsApping each other, being like, oh, you know, what do you think of this? And there's a way that that could be really constructive because that's a lot of communication, but the tone of those back channels are a bit like they're always a little bit diggy always a bit eye-rolly or negative and I think if you spot those you think oh well there's a, there's kind of like a underworld to what's on the surface um that I think you can you can clock fairly quickly but again as a, as a new person coming in it might be um a few weeks or even a few months before you kind of get looped into those those types right. of conversations, but they are they are very common actually, um, yeah. particularly in quite quite big companies. I was going to say one more thing on this. Actually, I feel like we didn't think that Tolstoy was going to come in so early in the podcast today. But <laughs> the first the first line of Anna Karenina, right, was every happy family is unhappy is the same kind of happy, and every unhappy family is unhappy in their own way. I actually feel like the same is true for like a, a workplace, like. Good workplaces are all very similar, like non-toxic, well-formed, like well-functioning, efficient workplaces. There's a lot of things you see and you're like, well, that looks pretty similar to us other workplace I worked at that was alike. But I feel like all toxic workplaces are toxic in their own way. And like they mm. all have their own little individual signs and symptoms, sometimes because you've got a toxic founder, sometimes it's because you've got no transparency between, you know, the, the uh, more junior members of the team. Sometimes it's like an underpayment issue. Sometimes like there's so many different things that I, I think that that's what contributes to this kind of general, not fully seeing the signs. Yeah. And just kind of to add to that, I think it's also how an individual defines what's toxic, right? Because for somebody, micromanaging could be very toxic, but for another person, it might be a sense of direction. So I guess first and foremost, understanding for you yourself, what does tox- a toxic culture mean to you? What are your non-negotiables? Um, and one thing I always say is that the red flags you see at the beginning tend to be the reasons why you leave at the end. So the things Ooh, that you found. the things that you kind of said, oh no, not to worry, not to worry. It might just be um, a new role, and I'll get into it. They tend to be the reasons why you leave at the end. So the same example, like a micromanager, at the beginning, you might feel like, oh, actually, this is great in terms of sense of direction and understanding what I need to do. But later on, a year down the line, et cetera, that might maybe the reason that you left. And that was actually a red flag. And it's doubly difficult, I think, for people, people, because culture is kind of our responsibility. Um, and so it's great if you get to join a company that has a really effective, high-functioning, you know, one of those Anna Karenina happy family <laughs> cultures. Um, but generally, like, if you're signing up to an interesting challenge, there probably is some stuff that needs to be worked on about the culture. Um, and it's, it, there's a question, and I think this comes into what you were saying, April, about, like, where the bar is between defining something as, like, toxic, which potentially means unsalvageable, uh, and defining something as like a bit broken, but requiring some, like requiring fixing and, and being addressable. Yeah. And so how do you like? I guess for me, I, I'm a really big advocate for onboarding and the probation period. It's not just for the company to see how well you are in your role, but it's also for the individual to actually feedback 
month on month how they feel their induction is going what are the signs that they're seeing and having that as a feedback loop the first 90 days is so crucial so sometimes you look at an onboarding process or probationary period as it's just one way but actually if you are in a in, in a situation where you can feedback and you do have those processes in place that's one of the um first point of call that I would say utilize it very well um in order to feedback and receive feedback as well because at the end of the three months it's it's almost an opportunity for not just the employer but yourself to actually say this is really a good fit what you guys advertise is the right role for me and it's and this role is right for you um and vice versa so I really encourage like onboarding processes to be an opportunity for both parties to to see how it works I have a a minor problem with that which is that I mean I do it I I do agree broadly I feel like we're in an economic situation right now that telling people that you know moving into a job and then kind of moving on is easy is actually I think it's a little bit I think it's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people right like you know moving into a job and then treating it that three months really as a chance just to move on and bounce to the next thing is it's not always that simple so I, I do think there is a lot of value in talking about like you know, what can you do to really get beyond that period if you're struggling? Because for the reality is for the vast majority of people out there, moving jobs after three months or two months is just not on the cards. It's not an option. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, it, it's definitely an interesting thing to think about from a HR perspective, but I think a lot of people out there are going to be saying like, that's just not, there's no reality in which that's possible for me. I think there's an, there's an in, interesting distinction here between like what happens when there's a misalignment between an organization's values and an individual's values when they join, which is one of the things that you're, I think, talking about, April. And and somebody might experience that as a toxic culture, right? If their like values just aren't aligned with the organizations, and then then there's an answer, there's a particular answer you might make then. Then there's a there's a different challenge, which is like, what happens if you come into an organization and like you notice that the culture is it's not just something that like is is not working for you with your value set, but it's something that's not working for a, a majority of people, which might be my definition of like, uh, well, mm. toxic culture can affect different groups in different ways, right? It's not a numbers game, but affect, but it being more than just an incompatibility with an individual's values, but an incompatibility with groups' values or with what um, what the majority need. Yeah. I, and, I, and I agree to, you know, to Jess's point to a degree. I think, there's yes the financial um the financial side of it but there's also a mental health side of it as well if you know something's not working and you've taken three months to actually utilize that onboarding process effectively and there has been a robust kind of feedback loop in there if it gets to a three months period or however long that probationary period may be three months six months etc and you feel that it's not going to work out or it's not going to change because we're talking about toxic culture here it can have an effect on your mental health and if it's having an effect on your mental health it can have an effect on your personal life as well so there is a bigger I guess looking at it from a holistic point of view right it's almost for an individual to actually make that call for themselves but taking into account that a toxic culture can affect your mental health. And if you're just trying to go with the, you know, go with the tide, you may be having a greater impact later down the line. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, I just I just think that, you know, there there is some value in saying like if this advice of leaving a company after three months doesn't work for you for an economic perspective, then that actually makes a lot of sense because not everyone can make those kinds of decisions. I mean, I've been there when I've worked at a place I couldn't leave that I wasn't happy at. And for various reasons, it just wasn't an option for me to leave. I had to stay for a certain period of time. Um, and it was hard having people tell me constantly like, well, if you don't feel like there's an alignment, maybe it's time to look for something else. It's like, it's not that easy for me, you know? And like, I need coping mechanisms for mental health and I need a way to try and combat this. And telling me that I could just move on after three months is not, that that's not enough for some people, mm-hmm. I think. And just acknowledging that there are different realities out there, I think is really important. Yeah. What were your coping mechanisms, Jess? Like, how did you deal with that situation constructively? Yeah, I think, you know, I am very good at setting uh, kind of manifesting things in the future. Like I, I don't really believe in manifesting your destiny necessarily, but I do believe in like setting clear goals for yourself in the future and then really working towards them. And they, for me anyway, have a huge positive impact on my mental health and seeing the the role as having, if I complete these things in the job and they give me this experience and I try to work on this and build this level of skills and you know, one of the things that the, the company was really good at was um, some training and a couple of speaking engagements that I was able to do in that in that business. And I was like, these things are going to be really beneficial to me. If I really focus on them, do my job every day, make a list, tick those things off, then at least when I look back, yes, I may have had some days where I felt pretty low, but I can say like, well, at least I achieved those things I set out to achieve. And that gave me a lot of, you know, positive reinforcement to continue doing what I was doing every day. Um so I think, you know, that, that was really beneficial, but I, I think the other thing as well is you can't really put your head in the sand about it and you need to have someone very supportive around you. That's happy to listen to you have those days where you come home from work and feel like shit, basically, um, to have them be like, it's okay. What are we focusing on? Let's get through it and be your kind of cheerleader because it's not always that easy for yourself. I think just to do that. Thanks for sharing that, Jess. Um, sounds like a rough experience, but I'm glad you found a good path through it. Uh, I want to lift this up. I think we're going to come back to this individual in a bit and about um, about their situation, but I want to lift this up to the culture level um, for a moment first. I'd be curious to know, basically, there are probably a lot of very successful companies out there that have a toxic culture uh, and their toxic culture kind of works for them and enables them to be successful. Uh, or, well, maybe it doesn't enable them to be successful, but but they are successful alongside maintaining a toxic culture. What are the implications of having a toxic culture and why should they be challenged? Because I, I would imagine that we as a group feel like they should be challenged. I, I really do fundamentally believe that toxic cultures will cost you the best people, like good people who are um, almost like in their character are good and honest and hardworking and also very talented, literally at their jobs. I do believe they won't tolerate for long like you know they could be in a position like Jess was where there's a finite amount of time but they'll be like I have to stick it out for this period but once that period's over I'm gone so I do believe the best talent in the world will go to the best companies um so you know depending on how important the quality your quality of talent is to you and your and your business and the success of your business um sorting your culture out is should be of number one importance to you um and I always just come back to the fact at Born, like people don't, they surely they do not do their best work where they are unhappy or under a huge amount of pressure or or not feeling their best. Like it's just completely illogical to me that 
you you think that that's the optimum you know status quo to create for your team um so you know that's probably the the first thing i would say the the other thing i was going to touch on was the fact that this can be at a team level or at a company wide level but toxic culture can start with one person and it spreads like wildfire you you could have um typically a really good strong culture and particularly if you are a team of you know between 10 and 50 50 can be a decent size but it actually still feels very small in in lots of ways so one person particularly in a fairly I guess like linchpin type role can very quickly spread kind of this toxicity through multiple teams at once and undermine a culture that you've worked really hard to build um, and it's a bit like fitness. So yeah. you know, fitness, it takes, they say it takes you three weeks to build what you can lose in a week. You know, that's the ratio that God, I also think applies. That's coming up. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll all be starting from square one. So yeah, I think that's the ratio I would also apply to culture. Like you might, you, the values might be in place, but if someone comes in and starts demonstrating behaviors that aren't aligned with the values, people then think, oh, that didn't get addressed very quickly. And their survival instinct against that, that behaviour might be to display a different type of toxic behaviour. So it really does snowball very, very quickly. And leadership need to be very careful to catch it as quickly as possible because often in these scenarios, you hear about it a bit too late. Um, so I think, again, this is where we can kind of come back to all these like people infrastructures that we put in place to get that kind of ear to the ground approach on what's going on with the people in our business so that we can we can clock this type of issue. Um, yeah, urgently before it's too late. Totally. Any other implications for toxic cultures existing? I think like I'm of, I'm of a strong opinion that there's no such thing as a good or bad culture. There's only really such thing as like a good or bad culture for you. Um, there are some kind of inherently toxic cultures and I tend that they, te- I find that they actually tend to be more like doing illegal things or genuinely taking advantage of people or being um, discriminatory or racist, sexist, or homophobic. Like that, that is just like <laughs> category A only to- that like, there's nothing else yeah. that can be but toxic. Right. And then within the category B of like basically every other company, it's like, it could go either way. And then there are a couple of companies that I think are just almost naturally going to be really beneficial to a lot of people. And those companies are probably going to be pretty small to be frank, because it's very difficult to make something bespoke that works for everyone. And in that big B category of like every other type of company, you kind of see this spectrum, right? Some people work incredibly well, like an Amazon, like fast paced, big numbers, metrics, tiny margins. Some people work really well at a Google DeepMind where you're, you know, one of a tiny team of 10 highly educated people being paid through the roof. You don't ship anything for five years. All decisions take months to make. Like that's, that's fine. That would, neither of those places where I would want to be. Um, but I think that, that perception thing, I think is, you know, I, I think the the ratio of how many people are going to enjoy your company is the thing that you need to think about. So if you want a lot of people working for your company, then you're going to need to try and develop a culture where a lot of people are going to feel happy. Mm. If you if you want a company where only, you know, 10, 15, 25 people need to be successful and happy, then you can probably afford to make something that most people would think is toxic because 
you don't need most people to work for you. So if you find the right people that fit in really well, then you'll be happy as Larry and you can, you can do a great job. And that's one of the questions I often ask my founders, like how big are you planning on growing this? Because if you're planning, planning on growing this to like a thousand, 2000 people, the way that you're building your culture right now is not sustainable to recruit that many people and have them be happy. You need to be thinking bigger picture. So yeah, I think the, market. The, it, yeah, the implications really for me is growth, right? Like you can grow really big with a culture that appeals to more people and is a little bit more, you know, tolerable and for, to various different tastes. Um, and then I think, you know, everything that Charlotte said, I, I 100% agree with. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you both. I, th- I think you both have just hit it. Um, the nail on the head. I think for me, a good culture is good until it turns bad for you as an individual. So given an example, um, I've worked in companies where we've worked till mad hours into the night and it was great. It was great in that scenario. When it turned bad for me is when my family started to grow. Then I realized that actually this is toxic and this is burnt out because me personally, I cannot juggle having a family and also working all hours of the night. So I, ident- I identified that as a toxic culture, but everyone within the organization was like, well, this is who we are and this is how we've been working. So in order to actually deal with, with the issue, it was actually looking at, well, what's changed? What are the, the basics that need to be addressed, which was work-life balance. So that's where the founders decided that actually we need to work on our work, work-life balance strategy and saying, yes, some people like to work all hours of the night, but is that what we want to um, foster in our culture as it grows? So mm-hmm. it's a case of saying, right, this is good for everybody, but until one person decides that this doesn't work, then actually instead of looking at, it not working for them, seeing, well, what is it, what's causing this to be a toxic culture for them and addressing that problem. So you're going down to the root of the issue um, in order to help kind of bring that culture to a place where it's inclusive to all and there's equity um, for individuals. Yeah, a couple of really like deep points, I think, in what you guys have have just said. One of the outcomes of a toxic culture, it sounds like is going to be, you're going to have a more homogenous culture. So you're going to recruit people who like, can deal with that toxicity and you're going to put mm. all of the uh, different uh, and wonderful like groups off who might not be able to deal with that toxic toxicity. So that's an implication. And that is going to hit your, that is going to hit your ability to succeed and to win as a business. If your aspirations are, um, are not really narrow. 100%. Um, and then the other thing, I think coming back to what you were talking about at the beginning, Jess, is that, people may end up having a more transactional connection to their employment with you. And it's going to work for as long as they're getting something out of it. Um, But it's quite easy to unwind a really transactional relationship. And so it's going to make it harder for you to keep best talent, particularly if there are better cultures out there who are interested in attracting them. Um, And so I do think it just puts you in a more fragile position if you're maintaining one of these cultures and it is ultimately going to harm your business if you've got big aspirations. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Now, as we talked about, uh, we were thinking about this person and what they should do. And I think April, you had a really sound point at the start, which is first of all, you've got to look after yourself. Uh, You know, that phrase, if you um, have to put your own oxygen mask on before you help the people around you. So maybe there's a bit of like, got to make sure that you're going to be able to survive and, and be okay within the culture. But let's say that this person has answered that question and they're like, right, I actually want to tackle this. How do they do that? 
If I were them, I would start with like a confidant and at a team level, because you don't quite let you think you know, the scale of the problem is huge. If it is, depending on the size of the company, it could be hundreds of people, but <laughs> trying to A, try and build someone, like get it validated, get it verified that you're not the only person that believes that. So, you know, again, and be smart about this. I think really be careful not to be seen to stir the pot, but actually to say, just trying to get a read on, on how everyone feels about, you know, whether it's the culture or things that I might be able to impact. Something that I've picked up is, is this. Like, do you think that sounds accurate as a first impression or have I got this totally wrong? Like try and have a sensitive conversation, put the, put the feelers out. And if that does seem like, you know, you're not the only person and then you should be able to identify whether it's a value, personal values thing as well. Because if everyone's like, no, what are you talking about? Like, it's great here. Um, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, but then start <laughs> off at a team level and kind of go, right, what do I think is the culture that this individual area of the business, the specific area of the business, you know, could benefit from? And see if there's a conversation that you can start at a team wide. And then actually what I've, what I've seen work in the past is as that team starts sorting their culture, out actually a bit of envy comes in and people go well that team actually they're working together really well like I want to work in that team or I want my team to be like them and you can kind of solve it through influence rather than having to take it all the way to the to the top from a top-down approach so you know start almost like start small don't get overwhelmed by the the vastness of the toxicity at first It, it I, I'm, I am an optimist, but I really do believe a toxic culture isn't um, a death sentence. Like it, it doesn't mean it's, right. it's, you know, irreparable. It's not a final destination. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that sometimes like the smallest things can have a massive impact on turning a culture around as well. Um, just like the smallest things can have a massive impact on making it terrible small things have a massive impact on making it really really positive too so kind of seeing it as a mountain where you know maybe there are minor changes you can chip away at is um you know I think a really good good attitude to take as well and I would also say like give what you want to get like it's, it's going to be tiring but if you want to take on this campaign no hurt people hurt people so it, it fuels that that kind of spiral so if you are wanting to get a certain type of um, behaviour and or communication back, give as much as you can of it. And actually, you know, almost like tally it, tally how many times you've done it and then tally how many times you've seen it and you will see that ratio increasing. Like I 100% works every time. Yeah, I love that. And I think also as well, it just needs to be conscious here that it can turn into a pity party, right? Um, so choosing your confidant is really, really important in terms of ensuring there's psychological safety there, where you're able to have this um, conversation in confidence and know that an action can come from it or some sort of support. Um, But also as well within the organisation, use the channels that are available to you to feedback. If you have um, 360s um, in place, use those channels to actually feedback to the people that can help you on your journey to solving the toxic culture but don't just leave it to just having a conversation and then you've got someone that feels the same way as you and then you guys are in your pity party having these conversations because as um charlotte said earlier on that's where the dark social media comes into play um so just be aware of what you actually want to to gain from 
starting the conversation. So I think that sounds a bit more like um, like getting your ally on side um, than just having confidants. Probably the um, the like little groups of confidants are exactly as you said, for what fuels the what fuels the, the like dark social element you see in toxic cultures. Um, but getting a group of allies who want to work on the problem and are really willing to recognise there is one and willing to be constructive about it sounds like an awesome way of dealing with things. Yeah. What else the, um, work? Oh, sorry. I was, I was just going to say this. I can't remember where this is from, but it's a quote that um, says, whatever you focus on will grow. It sounds like a proverb. Maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fortune but, cookie. <laughs> yeah, and it's and that's not to say don't focus on on the problem at hand, but once you've decided to take on the problem, you're better off nurturing the positive little sprouts just growing through than to keep giving airtime to the bad behavior yeah. that you don't don't want to see. So um and again that might also help you take on that challenge emotionally, like taking on and giving headspace to really hard stuff is absolutely exhausting. So yeah, the little green sprouts of goodness is, is a much happier, happier place, um, place to be, I think. I think it's, um, there's also something really in like spending some quality time reflecting and understanding exactly what the toxicity is. Like we mentioned at the beginning, right? There are so many different things this could present at different kind of companies and really understanding like what, what, what am I really feeling here? Is it, you know, is it a lack of work-life balance? Is it a lack of trans transparency? Is it a, you know, difficulty in speaking my mind? Is it pushing back? Like what, what does it actually, what does it feel like? What is the problem? And then I think it's actually easier to kind of, kind of sniff out the, the causes once you actually really know, because it's very easy to kind of get overwhelmed and a bit like, well, everything's just terrible. And, you know, there's so many things and it's, you know, it, it seems to be kind of manifesting itself in every single interaction and transaction I'm having. But if you really kind of distill it down and boil it down, it, can, it might just simply be something as small as, oh, the leadership team aren't communicating efficiently enough what's going on. Right. That, that feels like a much easier thing to fix than no one knows anything that's going on. Everyone feels confused. There's a lack of transparency. There's a lack of accountability. If you really boil it down, I think it, it sometimes you know it is much clearer to you what the solution needs to be or which what thing to go after yeah like a broad brushstroke of toxic culture is so overwhelming yeah and actually like almost as an unhelpful big title to give to the problem yeah 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 really true yeah so we've got breaking it down into some smaller bits that you can address making sure that some of those bits that you can address are the like green shoots that you want to nurture I, I i'd also posit that um Getting some data where you can is really helpful because it will give you something that you can use to track and trend your process and it will give you a bit of extra insight into some of the areas where you need to focus because the culture is not uh, the same everywhere and toxicity might exist in silos rather than across the whole piece. Um, but you have to be really careful with data as well. Uh, I, I worked for an engagement management platform um, for a while in the US and one of the experiences that we would have is every now and then we'd bring on a new client and we would run our first survey and deliver our first set of results uh, and very occasionally we wouldn't hear from them again because what we had delivered to them was uh, like challenged their way of thinking so strongly and highlighted such big issues that they would just go dark and they like did not want to deal with the implications of what they were looking at. So I think data yeah. is really helpful. 
Um, but you also have to be sensitive that um, in challenging this culture, you might be challenging some really big fundamental bits of what makes this business work. And mm. so, yeah, being constructive and, and like being segmented is really useful, I think. That's such good advice. The amount of times I've like delivered something back to a CEO or a founder and said, this, this is a problem. And they're like, that's not a problem for me. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly how I want it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we are um, running out of time. We're going to have to close with some um, final reflections from the panel. Um, so I'm going to ask each of you to share um, one final piece of advice for this person. It's tough. Um, I would probably say know your um, know your threshold. Like, how much are you willing to give to this? Because you know you don't need to give everything that you've got to to solve this culture. Unless it's your business. Uh, if it's not your business, you know, take it on, take the challenge on. If you if you want to and you think you can, but kind of coming back to April's point, know when to cut your losses and, and draw the line because it's, you know, it it can be really, it can be really, really tough. Not it's not impossible, but it can be tough. Yeah. I would say building building relationships um is complicated. So give yourself a review date as to again, going back to uh Charlotte's point just now, in terms of your threshold, give yourself a review date where you're going to check in and say, actually, is this working for me? Am I getting what um, I'm putting in? I think both of those two points are really good. I think, you know, try not to develop a drinking problem, probably is one of the things I'll say. (laughs) Try not to go home and drink a glass of wine every night. We've all been there. I know how it feels. Um, Yeah, just don't be too harsh on yourself. You know, this is a big challenge, bigger than, you know, a lot of HR practitioners, myself included, struggle to even define what the word culture is, let alone what a toxic culture is and how to turn it around. Taking it on board is a massive challenge and, you know, it's going to take a lot of work. And if you feel like you're up for it, then good on you, man. That's a great achievement to try and take that on and really focus on it. But don't be too hard on yourself. You know, try and make sure you're taking care of yourself, taking care of your team. Remember, you know, I don't, not sure what business this is, but it's very likely you're not saving lives or changing the planet. And it's okay to kind of do what you think you need to do and you can do and, and, and move on um, without taking too many hits into your personal life, mm. I'd say. I'm going to, I'm going to add to that by saying, yeah, the way you stay sane is making progress incrementally bit by bit. It's like a big piece you're trying to chomp your way through in improving a culture and so sometimes it's good to stop and remind yourself of the successes you've had and the things you've changed, because it might feel like there's still a lot to do, but there will be a lot that you have already accomplished. Um, we started with Brittany. Amen. Amen. We started with Brittany. We're going to go back to Brittany. Oh, thank uh, God. If you follow these tips, uh, then I hope that you will be born to make you happy. Oh, you being the, the people that you work with. Wow. So there we go. Uh, with that, we're going to close the podcast. I'm going to say thanks to April, Shah, and Jess. Uh, I've been Tom, your host, uh, and we look forward to hearing you next time. Mm-hmm.